tremendous things happening in the kingdom of God. Uh, and I want to say that if you missed last Wednesday night, you have no idea what you missed. What began as a uh, more or less a lesson on the Word uh, that became flesh, the Word that was in the beginning, Word being the expression of God, uh, at the end of that message, there was such a presence of God that swept into this place. And there was tongues and interpretation. And uh, I, I, I don't know that I have ever heard uh, a message from God that was more direct to the point uh, to us many times tongues and interpretation uh, is a very much needed but often sort of general message to the church. Uh, be ready for I'm coming. Uh, seek me while I may be found. So, you know, those kind of along those lines and thoughts and things. Uh, but Wednesday night, it was so direct to us, and it was a challenge to us. Uh, I, I don't know any way to describe it. It's, it was just it's beyond words. But here, let me just let me just say this because because I believe that God has given me something. Um, for this morning that dovetails with that and completes that. Um, I want to I want to follow the Holy Ghost today. Yes. Amen. Um, so let me just take just, just a moment to bring uh, us up to speed if you were not in here I know our Children's ministry staff is out. Many of them are not in here today. But God's uh, the word is the expression of God. It is uh, we would not be able to even know there was a God. We would have no way to even uh, know anything at all. Period about Him or that He existed if He did not express Himself. Because he dwells in a different realm. He dwells in eternity. But the very creation of the world was a, an expression. That's why the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. They're speaking. It's an expression of God to us. What we are, uh, even ourselves, and time, God created time. And so here we are in this realm, uh, this dimension that has been created 
and God outside of that, we would have no way to know him unless he expressed himself into that. And so that's what the word is. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning, uh, the word was with God, his expression. And the word, John just simply told us, it was God. That's, that's God. You can't separate his word from him. All right, so, so his, his expression in Christ Jesus was the ultimate one. We're going to touch on that some today. But as the body of Christ, we are intended to be an expression of God to this world. Amen. And uh, so... Like Paul, with many other words, I exhort his Wednesday night, but that's sort of the sum of it. And at the close, I said, I believe that God wants to talk to us. I believe God is trying to tell us how can you express what he's saying if you don't hear what he's saying? That's right. How can you express his will if you're not finding his will and seeking him. And that's when all of a sudden uh, tongues went forth interpretation and uh, and God told us very specifically and plainly, ask of me and I will do it. Yeah, yeah. And so I believe that God wants us to ask him for things with faith. Amen. And I believe he wants us to, to receive what he's saying and become an expression of that in our world. Now, that being said, uh, we're beginning a series of lessons today on the subject of mission, our, our mission. And uh, listen, as the church of the living God, uh, the Lord has assigned, has given us an assignment. You that, uh, all of us, except the one baby amongst us this morning, have been given assignments in school. And you knew that uh, you had a responsibility to complete that, to do that, and there would be you would be held accountable uh, if you didn't turn your homework in, if you didn't do the study, the research, read the chapter, whatever it was that you were supposed to do. So the Lord ascends into heaven leaving us with a mission. He told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We're to make disciples. Uh, we're to baptize. Uh, this is our mission. He came to seek and save that which is lost, and we as the body of Christ are to do the same. So, just going to be honest with you, God did not call us to, pay, to, to purchase padded pews. He didn't call us to build nice buildings. He didn't call us to, uh, to, to put together 
nice, precise scheduled services. He didn't call us uh, to 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 have church dinners. He didn't call us to to make peanut brittle. He called us to reach the lost. Amen. Amen. Now these are all things that we employ for that cause, but if it's not helping us in that cause, uh, then uh, we're wasting energy. And if we do all of these things, but we don't go into the highways and byways and hedges and compel them, if we don't find a way to reach lost then we have missed our assignment. That's right. That's right. He's not going to ask us, did you build a nice building? He's not going to ask us, did you have good services? He's not going to ask us, did you raise a lot of money? He's not going to ask us, did you have a nice He wants to know. And we're stewards. You remember the householder, he went away and he uh, he left some people in charge. He gave them different responsibilities, but when he came back, they couldn't just slide by. They had to give an account for what they had been assigned. And the one who had just the one talent, unlike the others who doubled, increased what they had been given stewardship over. The one who did nothing with it, the one who said, I'm just gonna try to maintain where I'm at. I don't wanna lose this, I'm gonna hide it, I'm gonna bury it. Thou wicked and slothful servant. He's given us one assignment. And we can look around for a lot of other things and think we're doing well, but this is our assignment. Yes. And so uh, we have a, a great challenge before us, yet God has promised to work with us. And he has given us, uh, he, he, has, he has led us, I uh, feel like the children of Israel. I mean, uh, two years ago, forward keep it moving and the Lord just spoke into our Bible that and we 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 rose to that challenge and God God blessed us and helped us and, and, and momentum and here we are into another year and uh, and God is speaking to us right now and and, uh, and and he's got a plan for us even this year yes. and I want to I want to be in alignment with that and I don't want to just say okay that's cool God has told us stuff God has shared stuff with us we have to take what he has given us and do something with it Amen. is this alright this morning this, yes. this, I ain't got my lesson yet and I may not I don't know we'll see We cannot just simply possess what God has given us. God's given you the Holy Ghost. Uh, you cannot just 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 take your container 
your vessel and put a cap on it and say, I'm just going to try to hold on to this till the rapture takes place. Right. If I can stay like this till the rapture takes place, I'm going to be okay. God wants you to change, transform. God wants you to be renewed in your mind day by day. He wants to. He wants us to, whatever he's given us, he wants us to, to take that and increase that, multiply that, put that to work. And, and what he's given us will work. What each of those servants were given was capable of gaining if invested. What he has given us is capable of gaining, increasing. bringing fruit, bringing results if we employ what he has given us, if we put it to work. And, and so we are in a position today, a very highly honored position that God is speaking to this church, that God is, is, uh, is at work in this church. But to whom much is given, much is required. We're so thankful for what God has given us. But at the same time, we're thankful. Let us not forget to also be mindful that God is going to hold us accountable for what he has given us stewardship of. So mission is very important. Mission is organizations develop a mission statement because without it the company will languish without it the organization will uh, do a thousand things and not accomplish what they're there for and they need that focus and it is so with the church that being said I want to read from Matthew 1 and 23 behold a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son they shall call his name Emmanuel. If I say Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. I'll talk to you this morning about God with us. Amen. Isaiah 7 and 14 was the first use of this name Emmanuel a prophetic scripture therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign behold a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel Emmanuel today there's a you know, reality TV is one of the uh, things that's kind of caught on, I guess, in our world. Uh, and one of the reality type deals is a thing about uh, it's where a like a CEO of a company will disguise himself and uh, go to one of their stores, one of their branches or places somewhere and he will uh, apply for a job 
or he will uh, go in, somebody get in, and uh, and they can talk different ways of making this believable to people, to the people in the store or the location. And he goes in and basically spies. But he learns a lot during that time himself about what those people go through. Right. Isn't sort of the ultimate example of that when our God came to this world and became one of us? Experienced the things we're dealing with. And, and, uh, what an incredible, incredible thing. Of course, they tried to crucify him and they killed him. And some of the, some of the uh, uh, employees at times have, have had negative things to say about the CEO, you know. Uh, but today, God wants to communicate with us. God with us. We said Emmanuel, let's all say God with us. God, God with, with us. God wants to, to be with us. He doesn't want to sit up somewhere like a kid with a, uh, a train track, an electric train, and just kind of watch it go, you know. He wants to join us. And he wants to get our attention. I don't think I'm going to waste words today. Stay with me. God wants to get our attention. Now, in the commercial world, they're always trying to get people's attention. Uh, you're driving down the road, and, and, and you're listening to the news, or you're listening to... The, the gospel radio station goes to a break and you know you might want to kind of let your mind rest but instead they're grabbing they're vying for your attention they have carefully chosen words they have done tests in test groups to see what words would grab your attention and they are They've studied it like a science because they want to be able to reach their target audience. And they have a strategy to wrestle away your attention from whatever it is that you may be doing and pull you in, draw you in uh, for whatever it is that they want you to hear. The Bible, the scriptures illustrate for us God's challenge in getting his message across and holding humanity's attention. Adam and Eve successfully blocked out their creator's uh, daily conversations and voice long enough that they could go after and pursue an option of determining their own uh, what was right and wrong for themselves. And, you know, so, so imagine that. Here's the very beginning. And the Lord walks in the cool of the day with his people. And he communes with them. 
You would think that they would have been on the edge of their seats. They would have been listening to everything and could not wait till they got there to hear and commune with their communicator. But somewhere they got bored. Somewhere along the way, they uh, attention deficit disorder, uh, the original attention deficit disorder, got a hold of them, and they they began to look for and listen to other voices. But God still sought their attention. He still come walking in the cool of the day. Adam, where art thou? He still wanted their attention. And the Bible is replete with examples of God throughout history pursuing the attention of people. He wants them to hear him and commune with him and fellowship with him. And so, even though they had done that, he still provided for them. He still let them have food, shelter, and clothing. And, and, and yes, there were consequences to their actions, but even in that, he promised a day when the serpent's head would be crushed as that coming one's heel was bruised. He, he still promised this even though, even in spite of their lack of interest and their turning away and their not wanting to listen, all right? So from the very beginning, he created us to be in relationship with him. And God gave Adam and Eve a free will to choose, to reject, or receive that relationship. Trees don't have an option. They just wait. Mm -hmm. right. Glory to God. Seeds don't have an option. They, they just they, they're, they just affirm his creative greatness and his sustaining acts. All of creation does that. The birds and the bees and the beasts and the creatures of the sea and all of that. They, they, they have to worship they, they, their very existence. It's, and, and Adam and Eve had a choice, though, whether that they, that they could choose a preference, excuse me. They, they, could, they could make a decision. They, and they made a decision that brought separation between them and their creator. But God has always desired to be near us. Even as Adam and Eve were taking the bite of that fruit, God was seeking to restore. A plan was being put into place. He would rather restore than execute judgment. And the Bible is full of God's attempts to restore that full relationship that he once had. Psalm 34 and 18 uh, is a great verse. I want to read that in just a moment. But just, you know, you could talk all day about God's attempts to restore fellowship and his voice with people. But we'll just take a couple of things here this morning. How about the brokenhearted? Right. Here's an example. The psalmist said in 34 and 18, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. 
and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. David penned this psalm while he was living outside of Israel on the run for his life from King David. Scrapping to get by. Trying to just stay alive. Being pursued by men commissioned to kill him. He had gone to a neighboring country and there uh, 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 sought political asylum with a king there and, and, and that worked for a little while but David could not fight against his own people and, and so at some point he had to do something and so he feigned madness. He, he acted like he had mental illness. And king brushed him off and away and then he lived sort of in between. Uh, he really had no allies. And David, during this time, refusing to fight against his own, his own people and completely having to trust in God. You know, for a little while, while he was in Israel, you know, him and Jonathan were buddies and so things were good and all of that. The king's son. Then he goes to, to this other country and he's got this king and he's taking care of him. He's He's got food to eat and everything, but now he's lost it all. And he has to turn to the Lord. And so, and rely on God completely for his safety. And so he began, he began by blessing the Lord in Psalm 34, verses 1 through 4, and remembering God's responsiveness to his cry. Anybody here remember God's responsiveness to your cry? When you just had to rely on the Lord. Amen. To whom else could you go? There was no one else. I'm going to tell you something. Suffering gives us an opportunity to experience the nearness of God. Amen. God's missionary effort to get to us, to get close to us. Suffering. One man said, I'll try to quote, I don't know if I quote it just right, but he said, God whispers to us in blessing and things like that but he screams to us in our pain our suffering his voice can often be heard much better he is now he is near unto those that are suffering and the truth is in the life we live we get plenty of opportunities for some suffering in life just, just the nature of humanity. There's going to be every one of our lives, every one of our families, there's going to be some suffering come our way. That's right. Thank the Lord that that is also an opportunity to experience His nearness. Amen. Sadly, there's a whole lot of folks out here today that have brokenness in their life they, they, and, and, and they're trying to, to, to fix it by their own means and, and it's, it's, it's nothing but more suffering. It's nothing but, but but leading them down a destructive path and it doesn't work. I'm thankful that God has provided us a gift of suffering that when we experience it, we can experience also the nearness Amen. and the sufficiency of God that our self-sufficiency can never, ever satisfy. Only God. Only Jesus, the songwriter said, can satisfy your soul. That's right. Mm. 
Only Jesus can do that. Now he's also near, and I told you just a couple, he's also near those who call on him. That's right. Psalm 145 has many wonderful ways to praise God when you seek him in relationship. David went so far in verse 16 to say that the Lord opens his hand and satisfies the desire of every living thing. The ability to see God's care for, for all of creation. The little birds and all of that. And, and then for us, that God desired, desired to reside amongst us, to dwell with us, to tabernacle in us. That, that is just too wonderful. In the Old Testament, God gave them instructions because it was a schoolmaster to teach them, right? The tabernacle. We prayed on Tuesday nights often. But they always instinctively knew that God could not be put in a box. God could not be contained in just a tent. God's spirit was bigger than that. The mountain couldn't contain God's presence and a relationship with him. It, 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 was, it was bigger than that. And, and so uh, the New Testament brought the ability for us to experience him dwelling inside of us. All of us with him. And so Isaiah's first prophecy that he made was regarding a wrong relationship with God that sought to tabernacle amongst them. Isaiah's an incredible book. God wants to dwell among you, Isaiah said. But a wrong relationship, you break that fellowship and they refuse to call on God. Psalm 145 and 18. That calls God to call them a harlot. And to bring his judgment on them. Because they refused to call on the God of truth. Think about that. God would literally call them a harlot. Because they refused to have that fellowship with him. Now, so... God sent others, I, I, I mean, to, to represent his people. He, God formed a covenant, covenant with Abraham and his family, and, 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 and Yahweh would be their God, and they would be his people, and they would follow him and serve him alone. And, and, and when Israel grew to the strength of a nation in Egypt, God heard the cry of his people under those taskmasters. He listened to their cry. God is near those who cry unto him. And he, he, he brought a deliverer. He brought an answer and a help to them. And when he brought them out, he established that covenant. The same God that appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob now settled upon a mountain. And the people recognized immediately their risk of being so close to God. So, there began this process of God working with Old Testament priests to purify themselves and to teach others how to purify themselves so that they could approach God. 
and he sent priests and prophets to represent this desire to be close to us and to abide and dwell amongst us. So the priests ministered to people. Uh, they, they, they declared the message that there is one God and that, that he wants to be amongst his people and, and that he, he's not distant and, and uh, un, unresponsive like the gods of all the other nations and everything. But he wants to tabernacle and have a relationship with them. And so God called Israel to be a kingdom of priests on behalf of the whole world. To teach us. And a whole lot of the priest work revolved around the tabernacle naturally. And it was a place where God chose to be present in kind of a special way. And, and it was to teach us the pillar of fire by that, uh, night and the pillar of cloud by day that represented the Lord and reminded the people that God was with them. And the priest's job was to protect the holiness of the tabernacle and of the people. And so they taught the law and the key principles of the law that would allow the people to be clean and, and, and not be unclean, be holy and not be unholy, and, 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 and to maintain purity so that the pre, even the priests themselves, so that they could stand between God and the people and and, and keep that covenant and everything. And so they offered these sacrificial offerings that would, and taught the people how to do that, that would restore their relationship with God. Can you imagine? It was a heavy responsibility for those priests. Because if they didn't get the message across, and if they didn't protect that whole Representing the presence of God, then they, their, their mission might be aborted. Their mission might be lost. They, they had, they had such a heavy weight on their shoulders. Then they got, God chose to use prophets. He sent prophets to the people, and they functioned like a messenger. They were just a messenger from God to the people. And and Jesus would later weep because that. They made shrines basically out of the prophets' tombs. It was not about the prophet, it was about the message. Right? That's right. They liked the idea of God's voice being with them, but they rejected the words that these men and women spoke on God's behalf. Right. Mm -hmm. Are you hearing me this morning? Yes, amen. They liked the fact, oh, God is with us. It'd be really easy for us to just be content with the fact that God is with us, but God is challenging us. Yes. Praise God. And I'll tell you what, a prophet lived a very precarious life if you stop and think about it. Can you imagine the tension that was there when Nathan went before David and said, Thou art the man. David could have had his head cut off. It, it, it was a, it was quite a place. He lived under a cloud of danger. Imagine being Elijah when, uh, when, when Jezebel is in control. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it was a, it was a day-to-day -day dangerous existence that the prophet had. And I, I know it was a great victory on top of Mount Carmel when fires called down from heaven. 
Jews you this day, you know, and, and all of that. But you also find this same prophet just a few days later saying, Lord, I'm the only one, and he's running for his life and hiding in caves. It was pretty, uh, it illustrates the reality that those prophets, uh, they lived in dangerous positions, but also the fact that they were not perfect. They were not perfect men. Uh, Elijah was not a perfect man. He, he, he just carried God's perfect words. Amen. That's great. I mean, he spoke against the king's and the queen's self-centeredness and all of that, but you find some of that same stuff in him also. I mean, I'm the only one. speak true words, but the fact is they could not fix people's problems. Right. All they could do was speak the word. That's right. That's all they could do. So they watched as nations fail. But God had an absolute commitment to preserving his people, a remnant to fulfill his promises. And Isaiah witnessed the king's now this is Isaiah chapter seven and verse ten. I want to just read a little bit of this for you. This is, this is where we're getting to Emmanuel, verse 10. Uh, the first mention of Emmanuel, the second is when the angel or the, uh, the, the message comes in the New Testament. Uh, but, but, moreover, the Lord spoke again, I'm reading from the New King James, saying, ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. As, as the Lord of us, God is God Himself is speaking through the prophet and instructs the king, ask of me a sign. Anything. The height of the heaven above. Anything. Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. Now what I when I, when I started reading this, and I was studying this long before I ever got around to, to my whole subject for today and all of that, but, but this, this ask of me a sign. I heard the Lord Wednesday night tell us to ask him things. Amen. Ask of me. All right, but I want you to pay attention to what Ahaz says. God says, I, I'll give it to you. In the high above, Depth below, it don't matter. Ask anything, I will do it. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. No, will I test the Lord? Our God can be tested. Yeah. He's tried and true. Yes, amen. But Ahaz, I'm not going to. I'm not going to test the Lord. God told us, yes, ask the yes. Lord. Yes. And he says something similar to this king during Isaiah's day. And the king says, I will not ask. Then he said, Hear now, O house of David. 
Is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary my God also? Ahaz, your indecisiveness You weary men with your indecisiveness, A.S. But will you also weary God? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. He refused to ask. God told him to ask. He refused to ask. So the Lord says, okay, since you didn't ask, I'm going to give you a sign anyway. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Courage and honey shall he eat. You may know that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. But before the child shall know uh, to refuse the, the evil and choose the good, the lamb and you dread will be forsaken by both of her kings. The Lord will bring the king of Assyria upon you and your people and your father's house. Days that have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah. What he's saying is, Ahaz is afraid because Syria to the north and Israel to the north, he's the king of Judah, the divided nation. Israel and Syria have made alliance to come against Judah, Jerusalem. And in his fear, rather than trust God, rather than call on God to deliver them, he goes to the king of Assyria. Not Syria, but Assyria. And asks for help. The Lord is telling him, I will keep you. I will protect you. Look, ask of me and I will give you a sign. Heaven, as high as the heaven, as deep as the depths. Ask anything and I will do it. Syria, and the Lord said, all right, then I'm going to give you a word. I'm going to give you a sign. The king of Syria is going to come, but he's not going to stop with Syria and Israel. He's going to conquer Judah too. And you're going to suffer the same consequences that your enemies have suffered because that you would not ask. Because you would not ask. Syria is going to invade the land. This is the next chapter. Head of Syria's Damascus, the head of Damascus is risen. 
65 years of Ephraim will be broken. There will not be a people, the head of Ephraim is Samaria, the head of Samaria is Jamal's son. If you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. This was said right before the portion we read a moment ago by God. Tell him, ask us out. If you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. Believe what? The Lord said, it shall not stand. These accusations, these threats against you, they shall not stand. Syria and Israel is not going to destroy you. Amen. Trust God. Ask me a sign. I'll show you. I'll do anything you ask. I'm not going to ask you. And so, then, when you get to chapter 8, the Lord spoke about how Syria would come. And he says this, verse 10, concerning Israel's enemies, take counsel together, but it will come to nothing. The enemies of God's people. Are you with me this morning? Come on. We're God's people, right? That's yeah. right. We're spiritual Israel. The enemies of God's people take counsel together. Listen. But it will come to nothing. Now listen to the next word. Speak the word, but it will not stand. The Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, not only does God have a word, but hell has a word. That's right. That's right. And sometimes we think that, you know, because it, it seems diluted into the kingdoms of this world and, and, and life today and stuff, that, that sometimes we don't realize it is the counsel of hell and it is the word, it is the word that the enemy's plans are. Amen. Amen. Our job is to be an expression of God, what God is speaking. But the enemy also has an expression. That's right. And if we're not careful, we will speak the enemy's Come message yes, and amen. not God's. Amen. That's right. I feel it now. I feel the presence of the Lord. God has given us a word again and again. What we must do is declare that word. Speak that word. Be a vessel, a channel that through which that word can flow. Not hold it up, not shut it up in us. Somebody where you work needs to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Somebody that you know needs to know that there is an answer to the problems and the brokenness and the stuff they're facing. Somebody needs to hear that message. And the Lord is saying, call on me and I will be near you. Even in your brokenness, I will come to you. 
God said, I will send revival. I will heal the land. I will build my church. And instead of speaking that stuff, we catch ourselves sometimes speaking things we don't even realize is actually, we're speaking not God's word, but the word of the enemy who has counsels and plans that are deceitful and divisive. Yes, amen. And we catch ourselves speaking those things, not even realizing we're doing it. We speak fear sometimes when the Lord hath not given us a spirit of fear. Amen. We speak doubt sometimes when the Lord wants us to be in full assurance. Come on. His promises are true. And he will do what he says he will do. Yes, amen. But you've got to hear him and you've got to not just hear and not just say, that's nice, good. God is with us, but we have got to take what we have received and begin to express that. It ought to come out in our words, but it ought to come out in a lot more places than just our words. It ought to come out in our actions. It ought to come out in our conduct. It ought to come out in our worship. It ought to come out in our praying. It ought to come out in our devotion. It ought to come out in our witnessing. It ought to come out in how we treat our brothers and sisters in the Lord. It ought to come out in how we treat the church of the living God. It ought to come out in how we treat our commitment to one another. It ought to come out in how we treat our faithfulness to the house of God, even in our tithes and offerings. I'm talking about the expression of God's word. But if we're not careful, we will begin to speak the doubt. We will begin to speak I, I don't know if I could do that. I, I don't. Carter said, ask of me. Test me. Concerning tithes and offerings, he said, he said, try me and see if I won't pour you out a blessing, you won't even be able to contain it. But like Ahaz, we say, well, I, I'm not going to try that. I'm not going to test the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, he wants you to be a witness in this world. He wants people to see how he works in your life and how he blesses your life and how you trust him in, in, in the face of facts, in the face of, of everything that seems to line up against it. If I've got a word from God and I'm going to obey God, I'm going to be an expression of that word. But instead, we find ourselves aligning ourselves with fear. We find ourselves aligning ourselves Amen. With doubts about whether God really cares about us. The same thing that tempt, Satan tempted Eve with way back in the beginning of this business of God trying to have a relationship and fellowship and communion and a voice in our lives. Amen. He still says the same things. And sometimes we buy into that. Well, I, I, I believe the Lord can. I'm not telling you God's going to do everything that you want him to do. But I'm telling you, God will do everything you need Him to do. That's right. I'm not telling you, God's going to make life a bed of roses. The fact of the matter is, He did that. Half of us would be lost. But if He will work with us, if we will be obedient to Him, if we will trust Him in our lives, we can ask of Him things and He will do it. Ask as high as the heavens, as deep as the depths. Amen. Ask. And I will do it for you. And the Lord spoke that to us Wednesday night. It's time to start asking folks. 
It's time to quit listening to the voices. And, and how do you shut out the voices of evil? How do you recognize whether it is evil or good, or whether it's just, it, it's just you know, uh, kind of worldly wisdom that's okay and good, you know, or, or whether it is actually deceitfulness from hell itself? How do you recognize? I'll tell you the best thing to do, get as close to God's word as you can. My sheep hear my voice. And when we hear his voice, we'll learn to start recognizing what's not his voice and what's not God's will for us. But we've got you overcome evil with good, right? Amen. You overcome evil with good. Yes. So you've been speaking fear, you've been speaking doubt. You've been speaking questions rather than standing on promises. It's the counsel of hell. It's the counsel of hell. It will not stand. That's right. It will come to nothing. That counsel is not going to come to anything. That counsel is not going to stand. Don't buy into it. Don't accept it. Don't believe it. Don't receive it. It will not stand. But if you will buy into God's word and let the Lord speaks, it cannot fail. Together, but it will come to nothing. Speak the words, but it will not stand. Our enemies planning things against us right now. The councils of hell are designing temptations, designing things against you at this very moment. But receive the word of the Lord today. That council shall not stand. That word will not stand. It will come to nothing. So what do I do? God is the next part, the next line. For God is with us. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And then when I read this, I knew it was of God. The next verse. For the Lord spake thus to me with a strong hand. The Lord spoke this to me with a strong hand. It was with a strong hand that the Lord spoke to us and said, Ask of me and I will do it. Try me and see. With a strong hand, God has asked. Then we would ask. And, and let us not be as aliens. We'll hear a different message on Sunday and we'll move on. Well, Easter's coming. We'll, we'll get on a different topic. We'll, uh, God will hold us accountable for everything He gives us. Amen. What are you going to ask God for? God is with us. Yes, He is. Emmanuel. For the Lord spoke thus to me with a strong hand and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people. 
Anybody worried about coronavirus? Fears breaking or, or bringing down the stock market and all of that stuff. If you're trusting in the Democrats or the Republicans to save you, you're no better than AS. That's right. Trusting in the Assyrians. I will not walk in the ways of this people. I'm not saying don't be prudent, but I'm saying I'm not going to worry about the stock market. I'm not going to worry about all this stuff. I know the Lord is with us. And God has spoken to us and said, ask. Ask, and I will do it. He said, amen. I'm telling you, if the stock market drops and bottoms out and we hit another depression, I've never seen the righteous forsaken right. or their seed begging bread. And in the midst of it, you know what I'm going to be doing? I'm going to be calling on the Lord. He is not to those that call upon him. He comes near to those that call upon his name. What have you asked him for? Praise God. He'll act. And, and if God has to put us in a position of a depression or something like that to get us to call on him, Woe is us. Woe be unto us. We ought to be able to call on him in times like this. There's enough suffering already. There's enough trouble already. Amen. The people of God ought to be saying, Lord, you got to help us. God, you got to, if you don't go with us, we're not going up. I will do whatever you ask, Lord. I will speak what you say. I refuse to speak the counsel of hell. I refuse, I refuse to speak his word. I'm going to speak your word. Let God, let God show himself strong on our